up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. Let's do another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Double wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, we're going to talk about a game against the New York Knicks. The Blazers got thrashed. It's now the fourth time in five games that they've gotten thrashed and been a non-competitive game against at least a sort of good team, depending on what you think about the Phoenix Suns. This team is a mess. Maybe not in some sort of surprising or shocking way, maybe in a very reasonable way that a team relying on a lot of youth might be, a team in a rebuild might be, a team in a rebuild relying on youth with injuries might be, but they're a mess nonetheless. That's just the situation they're in. You can offer some excuses if you want, and I'll offer some sort of context for where they are later in the show. But I think just the reality of it is that they're in a bad spot. This is the low point of the season. And it's hard to tell if this is the true nadir or if we're heading down into the depths right now. They're a mess. So we'll talk about in today's show, recap the game, talk about some... You know, Blazers offense failed to score 24 points in any quarter. They scored 84 points in this game. Failed to hit the 24-point mark in any quarter. Talk about a couple new wrinkles I think could um, add a little juice to the offense in the second segment. And then I want to talk about patience and blame. Because that seems to be the two biggest keys to where the Blazers are at this season. The need for patience and the desire to place blame that's what we'll do in the third segment to close the show let's do what we do though fastest recap in the west blazers lose 112 84 scored 84 points in an nba game in 2024 <laughs> that's, that's hard to do that's honestly it's honestly hard to do it is hard to score 84 points in a game where you're going to shoot a bunch of three-pointers and you're going to play as fast as they do in the, in the league now. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, to pull that off. And yet, they did it. And it didn't take long for them to stink. The worst first quarter team in the NBA did what they do. Trailed by 19 in the first quarter and 22 38 after one, uh, down 16 heading in the second quarter. Knicks hit seven threes in the opening quarter, led by as many as 19 points on two separate occasions. OG Ananobi hit four or five threes. It's pretty clear the game plan in this one included playing a bunch of zone. They're going to play a bunch of zone. That was that was definitely like they, they showed it early and they went to it a couple times. That was the plan. And the Knicks ate it alive, so they got rid of the zone, and they ate that alive too. There was there was not a defense that was going to slow down the New York Knickerbockers in this game. Like I think the Knicks, um, who made 16 threes in the first three quarters uh, when this game was like still competitive and not a G League game, uh, like they shot the heck out of this thing. They made 10 threes in the first half. They shot the heck out of the ball. But the Blazers didn't put up enough resistance. And even if they're not going to put up enough resistance, right? Like, even if it's just like, there's just hot shooting night's going to burn you down. They didn't score enough points to be even remotely competitive. 38-22 after one. 41-63 at halftime. 
Knicks made 10 threes in the first half, dominated the possession game. They dominated the glass. The Blazers turned the ball over six times in the first quarter. Uh, it's a mess. They're a mess early, and you're down 22 at the break, and it's like we've kind of seen this story before, and for the most part, at the beginning of this season, this is a game the Blazers would find themselves back in, right? They cut the, they cut the lead to eight, and they would just like stay competitive for the final 24 minutes. But recently, over the last week, and losses to the Phoenix and losses losses to Dallas and then Dallas again, they come back and get some good vibes with a win over the Nets. And then, and then this one, four out of their last five games, they've just been non-competitive. And they've had just moments where they just go away and the game is over. And this was another one of those nights. The game was over after three quarters. It was over at the seven-minute mark, or excuse me, the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter, seven minutes into the second half. The game was over. It's ball game. 97-61 after three, and the fourth quarter was a remix fourth quarter. That's the Rip City remix, the Blazers G League affiliate, because the Blazers played the majority of the fourth quarter with Tumani Kamara, Justin Manaya, Ryan Rupert, Chris Murray, and Ibu Baji. That's... It's just not good. It's just, it's just, it's just not good. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a good sign when you're playing two-way guys and you're playing G Leaguers. Uh... Do a brief play two minutes of the fourth quarter. They put they put Baji back in there. Non competitive. One twelve eighty four. Not a good one. That's your fastest recap in the West. Jeremy Grant had twenty one on eight of sixteen shooting. He was the only Blazer to really have a rhythm. I thought he played pretty well in this game. Nobody else did. Amphrey Simons had a had an awesome game against the Nets, right? Awesome game. 38, seven dimes, commanded double teams in overtime. That led to Malcolm Brogdon getting loose. Had 19 in the fourth quarter in overtime. 19 and seven in the fourth quarter overtime. It's just balling. 38 and 11, I think is what he had. Excuse me. He finished with 12 points on 4 of 14 shooting. Scoot Henderson had eight. First two possessions of the game, Scoot Harrison turned the ball over. It was bad from the moment from the moment that they said jump. Duop Reith had seven. Tamari Kamara five, nine for Shaden Sharp. Um I really wish Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp had played the fourth quarter. I don't know what the point is in really in seeing Justin Manaya play in the fourth quarter. I understand that there is a, a discipline element to it, right? Like coaching is art, not science. And there's a re you know, if, if Scoo Henderson's gonna start, Shane Sharp's gonna be the first dude off the bench, and they get walloped, right? They're down 36 after three. There is some logic to saying, well, you dudes couldn't hack it. Go sit. And like the discipline of being of 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 explaining to them the the standard that they should be held to. But also like this team's not good, and that's a 19 and a 20 year old play him at the end of the game. Uh, as intriguing as Ryan Rupert might be, and as intriguing as as Justin Manaya might be, I'm, I'm not super intrigued by him, quite frankly. But like, I, just play Scoot and just play Scoot and Shea at the end of this game. If you're going to get walloped, play the 19 and 20 year old. There's no reason not to. Ibu Baji had four, two putback dunks in the fourth quarter. Baji plays with um, Verve and had two blocks right when he checked into the game, but. Um, he's a ways away from being a positive contributor. Chris Murray had nine, three from Justin Minaya, four from Ryan Rupert. Malcolm Brogdon had two. Malcolm Brogdon played 13 minutes, one of five from floor, had two. Um, free my man Malcolm. Let him go do this somewhere else. Because <laughs> he's 
Um, other than a really nice fourth quarter on Sunday against Brooklyn, I don't think he's played his best basketball recently at all. On the other side, OG Ananobi had 23, 20 for Julius Randle. OG Ananobi had four, hit four of six threes in the fourth quarter, or in the first quarter, in the first 12 minutes. Didn't take another, didn't, didn't, excuse me, four or five from three in the first quarter. Did, took one more three the rest of the game. It's like, I'm good, baby. I just lit up the zone. I don't need to shoot anymore. He finished with 23. Uh, 20 from Julius Randle. Uh, Hartenstein's monster, Isaiah Hartenstein, had uh, five points and four rebounds. Jalen Brunson had 14 and seven assists, excuse me, 12 and seven assists. 13 from Dante DiVincenzo. 16 off the bench from Miles McBride. Quentin Grimes added 17. They got to play at the end of the game. Josh Hart got a big hug from Chauncey. Billups when he checked in, finished with two points, seven boards, and four assists. Two from Precious Achua and two from Malachi Flynn. Uh, Jericho Sims and Ryan Archie Diacono, uh, Ryan Archie Diacono, Blazers legend, scoreless in their minutes. <laughs> I, I like uh, this is a take based economy. <laughs> it's like the reason that I have this podcast is because I'm supposed to generate takes, I'm supposed to just like fire up the take cannon then come out here bah, 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 bah. and my take off this game was this one sucked <laughs> this one sucked and they've had a lot of these and now coming off that nets game it was like i talked about it on the on the on, on the show following that game on monday's show it was like this was an exhale game because they needed it because they played so poorly and there's two games in Dallas and maybe this exhale game would get them on track not to win because New York's better than them and they're going to go lose these next two games on the road trip they play OKC Minnesota they're going to lose those next two games they might get thrashed but it was like maybe they can find a rhythm and not get and play competitive basketball play a game that that was competitive for 40 minutes play a game where there was no G League fourth quarter wasn't an all mixers final 12 minutes. Obviously, choice of the coach or whatever, but like final 12 minutes, they're not competitive. They're down 36 points in the end of three, down 22 at halftime, down 19 in the first quarter. Game was over quickly. So, any of the good vibes or goodwill that came off that Brooklyn win and a game in overtime where they did play legitimately well didn't exactly carry over while the team st- stayed an extra. Evening in Manhattan. This was a bad one. So instead of um, blowing the team up, right? Like I'm not going to, I like I said, take-based economy, but I'm going to hold off on takes for, for a moment. I want to offer some like ideas. <laughs> I want to offer some, some, some actual basketball stuff that I think could help the Blazers kind of unlock a little bit more more offense wasn't a problem against brooklyn right they scored because because jeremy grant was good and, and every time was great um and then they got good contributions from shade and sharp as well so some of it is just like you sometimes you play poorly and there's gonna be nights like this but i have some a couple tactical things and some and some numbers behind scoot henderson's play that i think are worth exploring that's what i want to do in the second segment but first i want to tell you about FanDuel, america's number one sports book look FanDuel wants to give you some money here's what you do you go to fanduel.com slash locked on and then you place one five dollar bet any five dollar bet win or lose they're going to give you 150 bucks to play with it's the nfl playoffs this weekend this is FanDuel, the official sports book of the nfl like go make any bet you want 
on any NFL game that's happening this weekend. You got a bunch of high high leverage games happening in the first round of the playoffs this weekend. Got a whole weekend full of games. Five bucks down, you get 150 bucks to play with. And once you get the 150 bucks, you can bet on whatever you want. So you can build the most elaborate parlay you're looking for. You can bet on, you know, over-unders, player props. You can live bet games. You can bet make futures bets. Whatever you want, you're going to find it on fanduel.com slash lockdown. So go visit that URL one more time for you, fanduel.com slash lockdown. It's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right. So I have some sort of catharsis and some takes I would like to offer in the third segment. But 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 one of the things I like about basketball is basketball. If you're a long time listener to the program, you know that one of my the, the things I enjoy about the sport is the actual sport of it. Um, you know, I'm not an X's and O's guy, like I'm not a coach or anything or like a big film guy, but I, I do think that I um, I watch the Blazers closely and spend a lot of sort of brain energy on them. And I don't want to, I don't like, I'll say this, I don't like the idea of offering soon-to-be NBA Hall of Famer, basketball Hall of Famer, Chauncey Billups, like, here's how you should do it, actually, bro. Um, because he knows more, he's, like, forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. Um, I don't think he's been, I don't think he's been a very good NBA coach, but he certainly, like, has a, a stronger understanding of X's and O's in basketball than I do. So I, what I want to offer is this, like, some wrinkles that I think the Blazers could consider. And by, what I'm offering that caveat for is that, like, I'm not sure these would work. I think the team is the team. Like, I don't think they're going to be particularly good. They've been pretty much one of the worst offensive teams in the t- in the league all year. I don't think that I'm, like, unlocking something. So I'm not, like, offering this, like, here's the solution that'll make the Blazers good. When they're good, like, when this team's good, they make shots. It's kind of just, like, um, they don't run a bunch of elaborate stuff, and they run a they kind of in crunch time, particularly rely on Amphrey Simons to carry them in pick and rolls. And they haven't blown many teams out. So it's not like they're just like rolling over teams. When they win games, they win them close because they, um, you know, because of kind of the variance of shot making. And, and, and sometimes they get into a bog and their offense sucks. Some of that is personnel. Tua Breathe is a fun player. I don't think he's like a 30-minute-a-night NBA starter. Tumani Kamara is a fun player. He's a pretty obvious negative on offense. So let's start with Tumani, and then we'll move to Duop and an idea. The, the Tumani idea is related to, to Duop, excuse me. When I think Tumani has looked his best on offense is when he is a cutter. Tumani Kamara went two of four, one of three from three. I think particularly in the games against Dallas, they said, let him shoot. 33, let him shoot. Like, we're not worried about him. Let him shoot. And they really let him go. And he fired off three-pointers. And he missed him and missed him and missed him. And you want him to shoot him, right? If you're open, you got to shoot in the NBA. That's how it works. But they were leaving you open for a reason. So, like, how does Tumani work? I think uh, Lamar Hurd has pointed this out, and Blazers uh, television analysts has pointed that out a couple times. Like, the best way he can do it is if they're going to if they're going to play off him is to be an aircraft carrier. This is, um, this is hold the ball, 
set a dribble handoff, set a screen. If they're way off you, you you free up the Jets. You free up the Jets. Uh, but you can't always do that, right? Like you can't just run like magic dribble handoffs. But you can put two money in screen actions. I want Tumani to be the screener. The best he's looked is as a cutter and as a screener. When the Blazers have played small ball and Tumani's kind of played like four and five, I think that's when he's been best offensive moments. Running, setting screens for Scoot Henderson. Um, he did it against uh, the, the Spurs a bunch. Set screens against Scoot Henderson and roll to the rim. He's, he has a good feel as a roller. He's, he has, uh, you know, um, he has a good sense as a cutter of where to get to in space. And he, when he doesn't have to make as many decisions and he doesn't have to shoot the ball from 25 feet away, he, he can be a little more effective. And why I mentioned Duop Reith is like, Duop is, is a shooter. Like he's going to shoot. It didn't shoot particularly well in this game, but he can shoot from three and you can space with him. So why not have Duop play off the ball as you're spacing big and have Tumani Kamara be the person who sets screens? Will this work every time down the floor to make the Blazers unlock their offense and make them magically effective? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> like this, this will work a couple times a game. But I think the wrinkle that I would like to see the Blazers add more is Tumani as a screener. Tumani as the screener. Um, he's not going to set big physical screens. So at some point, you're going to want to bring Duop in there because he's going to set the most physical screens of anyone on the roster. Uh, and and sounds like DeAndre Ayton, I'll mention this in the third segment a little bit, but it sounds like DeAndre Ayton's pretty close to returning. So like, then that adds a whole nother wrinkle and did, because he's not a spacer and all those things. We'll talk about that later down the line. But like, if he's going to play on the court with Duop Reith, who is a sh- shooting five, let Tumani set screens. Let him be the guy who sets screens because his best attribute is probably as a cutter rolling into space. And if you use him as a spacer, they just, they put a, they put someone who is a non-defender on him. Kyrie guarded him a bunch uh, when they played the Mavs and, and you just, you just, teams are daring him to shoot and he hasn't punished him. And that might not change. I don't think he's going to magically become a better shooter over the last half of the season. Um, so like, they gotta they gotta figure something out a little bit. They gotta figure something out. I think adding him as a screener will be the other tactical thing I, I've been curious about is, you know, Amphrey Simons is the best version of himself when he has the ball in his hands, and he's playing next to Scoot Henderson. And Scoot Henderson is the best version of himself when he has the ball in his hands. Um, and you can split that a little bit, right? Because because Ant can play off the ball, um, but Ant like when he's on the ball commands double teams in a way that no one else does. He opens things up. Like I think you want Amphrey Simons on the ball running pick and rolls with this particular roster. I think there's a future when the Blazers get better that that's not always the case. But right now, like you want him, you want him as the primary as many possessions as you can because he's your best offensive player. He's your best player probably. Period. Um, but like. You just you want him you want him to be to be the one. So it's like, what does Scoot do? Uh, what does Scoot do? Um, a lot of what Scoot has been doing on offense is being parked in the corner, and I don't hate that maybe as much as you do, dear listener. Because I and I want to offer this as an idea. If Amphrey Simons has the ball, then they send two to the ball. Then that's a double team. They're going to send someone to help on the roller. That's going to be three defenders to guard a two-man pick and roll. Everyone's going to help then. If you send three to guard two, you got to help, which means that someone on the backside has to cover the rim, right? Has to rotate in and cover the rim. That's the low man in NBA parlance. 
If Scoot Henderson is being guarded by a fellow guard, parking him in the weak side corner so his man is the low man is good strategy. That's good NBA strategy. Because if you are being guarded by the shortest dude on the court and you can say, we want to dictate who's the last line of defense help defender, you don't want to stick a big guy. You don't want to stick to Opreith in that corner because then you have the center as the low man or a big as low man. You don't want to stick, you want don't want to stick Tamani Kamara on the far corner you want to stick him in the far wing because the you want the lowest guy the last guy at the rim you want to be small you want him to be small um when when it was Kyrie guarding Tumani you notice that they did put Tumani in the corner because they wanted Kyrie as the low man this is good basketball stuff like this is just like basic NBA pick and roll how we're going to manipulate pick and roll stuff like that's good scoot in the corner is 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 maybe a little frustrating and confusing but there is there is a tactical reason that he would be the guy on the weak side opposite the ball farthest away and in that deep corner. Here's the problem. And here's some numbers for you that I promised. Scoot Henderson Scoot Henderson is shooting 22% on catch and shoot threes this year. 22%, 13 of 59 according to nba.com. I think the idea from many who watch him is like, well, he'd be better as a catch and shoot guy than shooting off the dribble. On pull-up threes this year, Scoot Henderson is Scoot Henderson is shooting 40.9% from 3, 18 of 44. Obviously, these are small sample sizes. But he's shooting 40% when he takes a dribble before he shoots threes and 22% on catch and shoots. Scoot Henderson, the best version of him is on the ball. That's why the strategy of putting him in the corner makes sense for how you manipulate when Amphrey Simons is on there. But um, this is this is like why I said this is more... This isn't a wrinkle. This is a problem because Scoot, you you know, he's it's like, okay, well, he's he shot it actually pretty well from three. Like he's trending up towards 35% since he's back from back being, you know, back from an injury. And he's like, he's like maybe like going to be okay a shooter and the sh- jump shot doesn't look that bad, but it, it looks way better and has gone in way more consistency consistently this year when he's been able to shoot it off pull up threes. He's just a comfort guy and he takes better shots when he has the comfort of a dribble as opposed to catch and shoot shots so he playing him off the ball is tough it's challenging there's a reason why so there's some tactical elements as to why he would play off the ball in certain circumstances but there's just the truth of it is that like it's just not going to work that well because of his skill set unless you can unless he's just like straight up not involved in the play right unless all he does is as a decoy and his low man demands the help and yada 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 and all those things I offer those two ideas, Tumani as a screener and Scoot as off the ball a little bit, but you want him on the ball more because it seems to maximize him. But it's going to take away from every time. It's going to be worse on offense. You know, Scoot turns the ball over twice. Is all is to say is like, there's not a good solution here. This team's going to be bad on offense all year long with the current personnel that they have. I'm not sure the return of DeAndre really changes that. Which kind of leads me into the, what I want to talk about to close the show. After games like this, and after a stretch like this, and after a response, you know, you play a really nice game against the Nets, and you, you come out and just get thrashed. It is. It feels like it is time to point fingers. This is the person who deserves the blame. I want to talk about blame. I want to talk about patience to close the show, because they sort of go hand in hand for a team in the depths of a rebuild. That's what we'll do to close the program. 
But first, let me tell you that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? Uh, therapy, I like to think of it, and I've used this analogy before, as kind of routine maintenance for your brain. Uh, you know, it, therapy can be really helpful if you're if dealing with an acute trauma, a singular traumatic event that you want to talk through and talk to someone. But it can also just be useful to keep your brain and yourself running as smoothly as you can. It's why you take care of your car and with, with regular intervals, you should take care of yourself with regular intervals. Therapy can be the um, a path to helping you develop the tools to be the best version of yourself. It is a way that you can equip yourself with strategies to live the best version of your life that's possible. So like I said, if you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just got to fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you're not vibing, go find someone that works better for you. BetterHelp understands they want it to work for you. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash MBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Dilla Pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. I think I know that when games like this happen and stretches like this happen, the Blazers are 10 and 26. They're not a good basketball team. Uh, there is a tendency to want to single out an entity. Um, sometimes it's a player. I think Yusuf Nurkic and Evan Turner have kind of been that that player in the past. Sometimes it's a coach. Terry Stott certainly got it. Chauncey Bill certainly getting it now. Sometimes it's the person in charge who makes the roster decisions. Neil Olshay. Um, I don't think Joe Cronin has been around long enough to des- to to earn that that badge. But hey, Joe, if you stick around long enough, my dude, they'll blame you for it. That's just the nature of it. Um, and I'm not anti-blame. You know, like I said earlier in the program, I don't think Chauncey Bill has done a good job with this team. Um, I think. Uh, the inconsistency and the getting thrashed and all of that is like not a does not is doesn't look good for the coach if your team gets just blown out all the time, right? Uh, talent is the number one thing, and the Blazers are young and they're playing young players, and their center rotation is Duaparithani Bubaji, and they're um, you know, and they're playing they're playing a nineteen and twenty year old bunch of minutes and relying on them to kind of take a step forward, and young players are bad in the league and all that, right? Like there's a million obvious caveats. But I don't think Billups has done a good job. I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he's been around long enough on this, on the sidelines to know that he hasn't done a good job. I don't think that's a hot, that hot of a take. He just hasn't, he just hasn't done a good job. He's great with the media. I'll miss him when he's gone. He's a great storyteller. Um, if you want to point the finger at Billups, go for it. If you want to point the finger at, I don't know, Jeremy Grant, Shoots too much, doesn't pass, doesn't rebound. Go for it. You want to point the finger at Amphrey Simons because he's Dame, he's you know caffeine free diet Damian Lillard. Go for it. When a team is in this situation, you can blame whoever you want. You can blame everybody because everybody deserves a little bit of blame. The roster's not very good. Built by Joe Cronin. 
on purpose, right? They stayed really young, six players who were in their first or second year in the league, right? Like they they, they did this on purpose. It's a rebuild. Um, you know, Chauncey Bill probably hasn't gotten as much out of them as you would have hoped as the, of this roster. He deserves the blame. Every time he's stunk in this game, he deserves the blame. Jeremy Grant is kind of, kind of just a chucker. He deserves some blame. Scoot Henderson is not Victor Wembanyama or something. <laughs> Blame him if you want. Like, I, I you know, um, Shaden Sharp isn't as aggressive as you want him to be. His first two shots tonight were air balls, and it seemed like those two air balls kind of took him out a little bit of um, the normal aggression he would have. Blame him if you want. Blame anybody. Like, it, 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 you don't have to choose. Everybody can deserve a little bit of blame. Or if you want to narrow it down, like, blame whoever you want. It's fine. <laughs> this is who they are, and this is who they're going to be for the foreseeable, you know, I don't know how long. Hopefully they make a trade. I think this team is just screaming for a little roster shakeup, a little new vibes. But I'm not sure that they, when they make a trade, they're going to be better. They're probably going to be worse. And they're already pretty bad. Be careful what you wish for, I guess. But this, this, this situation, the loss in Phoenix, the two lo the loss against Phoenix, the two losses against Dallas, the loss here, the, this whole road trip where they just, they just played non-competitive games. They played one game where they were competitive and played, you know, got themselves a nice little win in Brooklyn. It was a good job and every time it was great um, in that game. But but for the most part, they've They've struggled. Uh, Amphrey Simons, shout out to Blazers PR staff. They nominated Amphrey Simons for uh, for Western Conference Player of the Week when he had two absolute stinkers in Dallas and then an awesome game in Brooklyn. And they said, only look at the awesome one. I respect that. Um, Amphrey Simons, uh, Western Conference Player of the Week finalist. It's six points. He had 38 and prior game he had six. Uh, he was great against Brooklyn. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly kidding. Blame who you want. Blame everybody. Blame everybody. Ibu Baji, hands no good. Only block shots. Where's his offense? Uh, Chris Murray, the worst of two twins. Hate him. Get him out of here. Blame whoever you want. Blame whoever you want. But here's the real truth. This is who they are. And this is who they're going to be. And most likely, over the next month, they're going to get a little bit worse. This is the most likely scenario is that they're a little bit worse at the end of the year. They're worse than this. More competitive, hopefully, in some games. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get thrashed again. A bunch. A bunch. A lot of times, stuff like this, where they play good teams. The Knicks are good. They're fun, also. It's a fun basketball team. Um, a bunch of dudes who can pass. Randall, Hartenstein, Brunson, Hart. A bunch of dudes who can pass. It's a fun basketball team. So, what I would... What I want to kind of... Just, just I want to plant this seed, and then I'll, I'll end the show. A friend of mine's, Basketball Gabe. If you're a longtime Blazers podcast listener, you'll remember Basketball Game from uh, from the Rip City Report with Joe and Casey. But Basketball Gabe, I, I play I play hoops with him too now. Um, he asked me, "How long are the Blazers going to be until the Blazers try to win?" I said, "Hey Mike, how long till the Blazers try to win?" And this was maybe ten days ago, and I said. Probably not next year because they're not good enough and they don't have enough moves to be good enough. 
this is what a rebuild looks like, is basically what I'm telling you and I'm telling Basketball Gabe, is that they stink right now. They're going to get a little worse at the trade deadline because they're going to make some moves to trade off. You know, Malcolm Brogdon is very bad in this game. So, um, like, maybe you won't notice. But, like, Brogdon has been really good. He was really good against the Nets to, to deliver them a win. Um, this is going to require patience to get through. So if you're if you're seething right now and you watch this team and you think like Phillips doesn't know how to coach this freaking doofus, um, he, he's going to coach this team the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he coaches the team all of next season either. The real truth is that this is the hard part of rebuilding a team. They need Scoot Henderson and Shane Sharp to grow. That's why I want them to play in the fourth quarter. Let them play, dog. If you're going to be like, let them play. Let them play. But the real truth is that this is the first step in rebuilding. Because what the Blazers are is they're a little light on talent. They're light on talent. It's a talent league. You got to get good to be good. You got to have good players to be good. Certainly, you know, good coaches lift up mediocre rosters, but there's a ceiling based on talent. That's just that's just the truth of the NBA. There's a ceiling based on talent. And Blazers are light on it. And so it's going to need patience because I, they've played 36 games. They're 10 and 26. They got 45 left and probably another 82 next season where they're not going to be a competitive basketball team. So if you are finding yourself after this stretch demanding change and demanding blame, I say that is a reasonable a reasonable reaction to how frustrating these games have been. But I don't know if it's coming that quick. And I think the rational approach is to say, like, this stinks right now. I might stink more in the future. What can they do to get a little bit better? Which is why I offered some little, you know, little tweaks in that second segment. It's going to be about baby steps for them because if you're hoping for massive steps, you're like you're talking a hundred basketball games away from massive steps. I'm not trying to bum anybody out with that reality, but. This is what a rebuild is. It's a, it demands that you find some joy. So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to find some joy in the Trailblazers. Tomorrow's show, I'm going to find out joy. Real reasons to be joyful and appreciative of your Portland Trailblazers. This is forced optimism. Because you need it. You need it. If you listen to the program, you need it. Because... Um, I'm not supposed to swear on this podcast, so I'm not going to even at the end of the show, but this, this stuff stinks. This stuff stinks. Um, so I'm going to find some positivity, uh, with the help of you, dear listeners. If you have some positive feelings about the trailblazers, email me lockdownblazerspod at gmail.com. Share your joy, share your joy with me. Uh, I'll find some joy. You share yours and we'll talk about it all on tomorrow's show. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.